Today's date is December 24th, 2023. We are reading from the big book of AA, page 87, the last paragraph, starting as we go through the day, through the end of the chapter on page 88. Susan P. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Kim G. You're up, Susan. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly, as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is devoted entirely to step 12. Thank you for letting me be of service. Okay, thank you. Now I'm introducing uh, Kim G, who will uh, speak. Thank you, Darcy. Hi, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey Intergroup, our, this meeting. So um, it's really great to be here on Christmas Eve. Um, Merry Christmas to everyone and happy holidays to whatever you do celebrate this beautiful season. Um, just to qualify, um, I've been in OA since 1994. I've been recovered and abstinent since January 2011, so that means I'm going to be abstinent and recovered for 13 years next month. Um, big gap between those two um, time periods. Um, my top weight was a size 24 uh, when I was 23, and I was diagnosed morbidly obese, and my solution was not to come to OA, but my solution was to really... Uh, work on bulimia, which I was taught in college. Um, so I've also became bulimic at the size I am now, which is a size 10, binging and purging and over-exercising. At that point, I came into OA terrified that I lost weight, but felt more insane. Um, and then in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I got down to a size two where I lost my menstrual cycle and started losing my hair. Why did that happen in the rooms of OA? Because I personally disrespected a 12-step program by treating it like a diet program with group support. I disrespected a 12-step program by treating it like a tools-only program. And often when I said I was, you know, I'm working my program, what I was really doing was, was working people's opinions and a program of slogans. And now that did was get me restless, irritable discontent, whether I was eating or I was not eating. Um, one of my favorite lines in the doctor's opinion is men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Let me tell you, I've said I'm going to be 13 years abstinence. I still need an effect. My default position, because of the way my brain is wired as an addict, is restless, irritable discontent. So where do I get that effect now? Because I don't get the effect from the food. I haven't had a, a compulsive bite in 13 years. It's through steps 10 and 11, which is what we're going to be studying today. And if I choose not to get that effect from 10 and 11 and 12, I'm going to default back to the only other thing I got an effect from and that is the food. So 10 and 11 is, is essential for me in order for me to have contented abstinence. In the 90s, I had six years of back-to-back -back abstinence. White knuckled, tomorrow I'm going to have a bagel, but not today. Tomorrow I can have a bagel, but not today. It was so incredibly painful. But 
because I, when I became a big book student in 2011, I've had 13 years of contented abstinence. Um, one of the things I saw specifically during the, during the pandemic is a lot of people picking up who have been recovered and who have gone through the steps. This is just my opinion and observation. That was reminded me of me when I was fellowship dependent. And the only reason I could stay abstinent was going to meetings and those meetings were taken away. Of course, I'm going to need an effect from something else because I'm not getting the effect from meetings. And when somebody will call me and say they picked up, I don't ever talk to them about the day that they picked up. What I ask them is what was going on two weeks before, three weeks before, where you got disconnected from the step work and you needed the effect and you went back to the food. And what I tell you is most people will say to me, well, I was living in 10, 11, and 12. And I'll say, what does that look like on a daily basis? And often people can't even describe it, let alone are doing it. So I want to talk about, we've been studying these last few weeks, what does it actually mean to do 10 and 11? So again, just to kind of to, to go back before I go over, over the actual reading, you know, in step one, I admit I'm powerless. Step one is not saying don't eat. Step one is telling me I'm going to eat unless I have a spiritual awakening. That propels me to step two, that I need a power. I don't have to, you know, I thought I had to return to my childhood religion. That's not what it's asking me. It's asking me, does my powerlessness that I learned in step one convince me in step two that I need a power? I don't know what that power is. If I could figure out that power in step two, in all honesty, we could have a pamphlet because I wouldn't need the rest of the steps. Biggest One of the biggest problems for me is I'm not understanding step three. Step three, I you know, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to a power of God as I understood him. What I thought that meant was I'm going to give God a laundry list of things I would like him to do today in what order with what people. And when he didn't do it the way I wanted to do it, I would quote unquote, take my will back. That's not what step three is. Step three, specifically pages 60 to 63, confront me with what is life like when I'm in charge. I almost call it the Dr. Phil step. How's it? How's that working for you, Kim? How's that working for you? Living by self-will, living by the ego. And because I realize for me personally, it's a shit show when Kim's in charge, I make a decision to learn a new way of life. I don't know how to do that yet, but I make a decision to learn a new way of life. And that is steps, the rest of the steps. So four through nine is the skill set of how to turn it over. I have four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Doing that skill set gets me unblocked from that power. And then in 10 and 11, I actually turn my life and my will over. That's when I implement the steps of 10 and 11. I take that skill set and I make it a daily way of daily way of living. That was something that I didn't understand for many years. Um, just to kind of put a little, little bow on that, prayer and meditation can mean a lot of things. And I thought I was doing steps 10 and 11 when I would take the prayers from my childhood, when I would take a transcendental meditation class, when I would start to do yoga and think, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing steps 10 and 11. No, I'm doing prayer and meditation, but I'm not doing steps 10 and 11. It's a specific skill set. So often I hear people, you know, I'm, I'm at, I just picked up, but I'm going to back, going to go back into 10 and 11. The way that it, my experience and the way I was taught steps one through nine gets us unblocked. Step 10, 11, and 12 keeps us unblocked. So if we're in the food, we're blocked. We need to get unblocked before we can do 10 and 11. However, we can do prayer and meditation, right? If you're in step one, take those step one chapters, get quiet, 
and do prayer and meditation on the doctor's opinion, on Bill's story, on there's a solution, on, on we agnostics. But you don't have the ability yet to do the skill set of 10 and 11. The reason I feel that's important is because I would think I thought the steps didn't work. I'm trying to do 10 and 11 when I'm in the food and I'm not getting an effect from it. So obviously the steps aren't working as opposed to the fact that, no, the problem is that I have not done the work to get myself to 10 and 11 so I can get that effect again. So whether you've never done the steps or you've done them multiple times, if you're back in the food, focus on getting through the steps so you can get back into that effect. Um, so when we get to get to through step nine, we make an amends, we immediately get into 10, 11. We don't have to finish our step nines. It says, you know, we have to get into 10, 11 right away. Another misunderstanding for me, I thought step 10 was at night. So we studied step 10. Step 10 is the right now step, right? I'm disturbed. I am. I know I can't afford to be disturbed because again, if I'm not getting the effect from the steps, I'm going to go back to the food. So I need to get undisturbed. So I take that four through nine process and I implement it right now. Jerk cut me off in traffic, do a step 10. And then in step 11, there's three practices. We studied a couple weeks ago, that evening practice, four through nine at night. I kind of think it like a step five, like in step four, I'm looking at individual resentments, individual fears, individual sex conduct. In step five, I get to see the patterns of my resentments, the patterns of my fears, the patterns of my, of my relationships. And that's what I do at night. I look at the I look at the 24 hours before and what are those patterns? And the big thing for me is if I just do step 10 and don't bring it into 11, I'm going to have the same damn step 10s over and over and over again. Because in step 11 specifically at night, I'm asked two two important questions. Um what could I have done better and what corrective measures should be taken? So I'm asking guidance from God. And then in the morning this is me again, personally, I call it a proactive four through nine because I know what's going to trip me up, right? I'm selfish. I'm dishonest. I'm self-seeking. I'm frightened. So I ask God to divorce me from self-seeking and self, specific words, um, divorce from self-pity, dishonest or self-seeking motives. So I'm asking God preemptively to relieve me of that stuff. But I don't know about you all. Most of life happens not in the morning and at night, but but throughout the day. And that's why this pause part that we're going to study now is so important because I, to me, it's like taking my spiritual temperature, a barometer of how connected I am to God throughout the day. And whatever that is for you, God, Buddha, Jesus, Moses, whatever that is for you, to me, it's love. That's who my God is. God is, love is my religion. I'm a spiritual mutt. I will take whatever practices from whatever different practices, but love is, is, is my religion. So how connected to love am I in? For again, am I connected to love or I am in fear? I have to tell you too, a lot of times in step 11 in my pauses, I will use the step three um, pages 60 to 63. Because 60 to 63 tells me when I'm connected to fear, when I'm connected to the ego, when I'm connected to little, little S self. And if I'm feeling that way, I'm in trouble. So I use that step three stuff. You know, I'm asking myself, am I a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? In my best moments, am I a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Am I selfish and self-seeking? That is the root of my trouble. And I use that as a barometer sometimes in my step 11. So let's go to the text about what we're studying today. So at the bottom of 87, it says, as we go through the day when agitated or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action 
we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Why is that? Because I'm constantly trying to run the show. And I'm asking for the right thought or action. I always ask for the right emotion. Make me feel good. I just want to feel good. What I have found through my step work is my thoughts drive my feelings. So if I'm just asking for the right feelings, it's kind of like taking like an over-the-counter medication to try to mask the symptoms when I really need to go to the doctor to get the antibiotic to attack the virus, right? So I'm asking God to help me with my thinking, which drives my emotions. And then we get to what I personally was taught was the, the 11th step promises. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. So if I'm asking God into my thinking, then those pesky emotions aren't as aren't as um, dangerous. And I love how it says excitement, because I don't know about you all, but as an addict, any extremes, excitement, fear, anger, up and down, that's what's really going to get me. Now, I'm going to tell you something where I kind of differ from Bill Wilson and his language. And it's, again, this is just for me. Bill talks a lot about emotional sobriety. I personally don't like that word sobriety because sobriety to means means abstaining from. And I don't get to abstain from emotions. I'm a human being. I think some people are under the delusion that when you're recovered, you don't have fear, you don't have anger, you don't have resentments. We're all human beings. The difference is as a recovered woman, I have a place to go when I'm angry, when I'm resentful, when I'm fearful. I don't have to stay there. So the language I like is what these steps give me is emotional stability. That those highs and lows become like this. I, I'm in a very challenging part of my life. I live next, I moved my parents next door after the pandemic. My dad's got advanced Parkinson's and he's in bed, bed, bed and my mom has um, dementia. And my brother, I'm now his power of attorney. He's learning disabled and, di and non-compliant diabetic. If I wasn't scared, I wouldn't be paying attention. But the problem is if I let that fear override me, I can't be useful to my family. And what I can tell you is the best gift I give my father and my mother and my brother today is to put my recovery above them. Because if I'm not connected to the step work and I'm not connected to God, I am absolutely of no use to them. So I need to put this step work above them. But I recognize that as a human being, I'm going to make mistakes, right? So I bring that into step 11. I can get quiet. How can I get quiet to, to connect with that? Going with the text again, we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. So again, using that as a barometer, if I'm exhausted and feeling inefficient, it's because I'm an ego, right? I'm trying to run the show. On my computer, um, I work from home too. And on my work computer, when it goes to sleep, I have this little saying spinning around and it says, seek God or play God. Those are my two choices today. When I'm seeking God, I'm in, I'm connected to power. When I'm playing God, oh, watch out. I'm a nasty SOB, right? So, and this is just for me again, too. I have my undergraduate degrees in psychology. So sometimes psych terms kind of tweak me. When I talk, when you hear about, you know, uh, setting boundaries or doing toxic people, to me, that's often driven by my ego and it's driven out of fear. I like the language here being efficient and not tiring so easily. So for example, with all the stuff going on with my parents, like I need time alone, I'm an introvert. 
thank thank God my brother had encouraged me to have to sell my house and sell my parents' house and we move in together. But instead we decided we're lucky the house next door to me went up for sale and my parents bought the house next door to me. I need that door and that lock between us. Like, so I have to sit there and go, okay, I have these responsibilities, but I, when I find myself getting irritated with my mom, because she's asked me the same question and gets angry. Why haven't you told me when I've told her like 14 times, but because she has no short-term memory, she doesn't remember. And I get quiet and I quote unquote, ask God how I can be more efficient. And sometimes it's just to, just to lock the door. Now, someone might say I'm, I'm setting a boundary with that. But I like it more when it comes from prayer and meditation than me out of fear trying to create a boundary to keep to keep stuff out. And so I use this as a barometer. You know, am I trying to life range life to suit myself or am I trying to be of maximum benefit to the people around me? Um, here comes the uh, shortest sentence, shortest paragraph in the big book. It works. It really does. You know, I would heard for a year. It works if you work it. It works if you work it. Problem was, I didn't know what it was. And now I realize it is the steps. I'm in a 12-step program to work the steps. It sounds so crazy to say it like that, but for many years, I didn't work the steps. It says, we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we just outlined. What is the simple way we just outlined? It's the steps, right? And for me, again, I'm someone, I'm an accountant. I love spreadsheets. If I could put my life on a spreadsheet, everything would be happy. You know, so actually part of the way that God disciplines me is to help me to be a little less disciplined. You know, I do my 11th step in the morning and I have this to-do list of what needs to be done. And then I get quiet throughout the day and say, God, help me to live in life of invitation. I don't want to be de defined by my to-do list. And I often define myself by my to-do list. So sometimes it's like, okay, I just need to take my dog out for a walk. And how do I create those pauses? Um, I remember this was not related to recovery, but when I was out of work, I went in my 20s and I was terrified. I didn't want to know what to do. Someone said to me, Kim, you know that saying, time flies when you're having fun. Think of the things that you do when time flies and schedule that into your day. And sometimes that's how I do pauses. One of the great pauses for me is I love nature and I love my dog. Just getting my dog out for a 10 minute walk when I'm stressed out, that's a form of pausing. Right before I did this, um, one of my great pauses is I'm the kind of person, which I'm sure a lot of us are, I'm streaming a TV show on my laptop. I am checking Twitter on my iPad and I'm answering emails on my phone. Pinball machine. So one of the my practices is I, I have this little um, eye pillow that um, you heat up in the microwave for like 45 seconds. I put it on my eyes. I have this weighted blanket and I have a 10 minute thing on YouTube for Tibetan bowls. And I just take a break in the middle of my day and I just breathe. And it's amazing to me the answers that come because my experience is that the ego screams and God whispers. For those of you of a certain age, it's kind of like those E.F. Hutton commercials where E.F. Hutton talks and everyone gets quiet. I need to get quiet in order to hear my higher power because my ego is constantly screaming. I love this saying that to get physically fit, we have to get we have to move and to get spiritually fit, we have to get still. And that's what the pause is. How can I get still throughout the day? Another, I love saying, another saying is, God is the water and I am the faucet. I need to keep my faucet unplugged if, in order for God to work through me. 
um, you know, I heard, I heard this um, on a, on a, a podcast this week and it said that um, I'd rather be rejected for who I am than be accepted for who I am not. And I spent my life trying to be accepted by playing who, you know, what, what do I think a girlfriend should be like? So the guy likes me, what do I think a friend's going to be like? So these people in my, my grammar school like me, I am so grateful. I don't know if this is just recovery, but being in my fifties, I'm okay with people not liking me because I like me. And if I can stand in my authentic self and people don't like me, that's okay. How do I get that through work in 10 and 11? By, by trying to get quiet that if I am centered with my higher power, who the hell cares if people like or don't like me? Um, this is another one I, I have uh, from, from another spiritual practice I have. Father, I do not know the way. I will not interfere. My hands are open to receive your gifts. And that's a big thing that I say in my step 11 because I get so caught up in I have to do this stuff for my job. I have to do this stuff for my parents. I I need to be seen as a good daughter. You know, I don't want to be a good daughter, but I really want to be seen as a good daughter. I don't really want to be a good employee, but I want to be seen as a good employee. And I need to constantly be doing this step work in order to have that alignment with, with my higher power. Because again, I'm going to end with this and some at the end of my time is that doctor's opinion line. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. It was the effect of the food that food was my solution. It was not my problem. My problem is I'm restless, irritable, discontent. And my solution was the food, which made me go <sighs> and got me numb for a little bit of time. Gratefully today, when I have that restless, irritable, discontent, I go to the effect of the steps. And the effect of the steps is not <sighs> and numbness. It's happy, joyous, and free. If I told you what my life is like right now, you would think I'd be slitting my wrist. But let me tell you, I feel grounded, I feel peaceful, and I feel useful. And that is not because of me. That's because of this 12-step program. And with that, I pass.